Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, November 10th, the penultimate week of the 2020 professional tennis season officially underway. We have our final WTA event of the year going on in Linz this week. We've also got some ATP 250 action in Sofia, a couple of challengers across the globe, and then, of course, ITF matches to take up our time. Ensure we have tennis from sunrise to sunset, where wherever you live across the planet. It should be a really fun week of tennis, and of course, we are going to continue to break down the action day in, day out here on the Mini Break Podcast as long as we have any pro tennis being played, but it does feel worth noting. We're doing a couple of other cool things as well here right now at Crack Rackets. I want to bring to the attention of you listeners. We have had some fantastic guests over these past couple of weeks on the Cracked Interviews Podcast, some of them, of course, coming on our Getting to the Point series with our friends over at Aerobar. We had Dr. Mark Kovacs on the show. Mark Kovacs, of course, on the one of the forefront minds uh, in terms of science, nutrition, analytics, how they all relate to the sport of tennis. We got to pick his brain on the developments in the modern game. He talks about the things even you know casual players can do in their daily lives to get that extra 2%, 3%, 4% out of their performance. And then, of course, just a phenomenal guest. We had number former number four player in the world of of course, uh, one of the American men's greats of the 21st century, James Blake, joining the show. We get an hour of his time to talk about his career, his college tennis career as well. Just so many excellent topics. I know that's a conversation all of you listeners can enjoy and will enjoy. So be sure to go check out our Cracked Interviews podcast if you haven't already. Also, we are kicking off our coverage of the 2021 ITA season. That means a rollout of our brand new Cracked Rackets rankings, which we will be hosting each and every, or we will be, I should say, bringing out to you listeners each and every week throughout the college season. As part of our preseason rollout, we're rolling out our top 10, and we ended up having a tie for 10th, so actually our top 11 schools, we will do one school a week on the men's side in the buildup to the start of the season, so that means the next 10 weeks you guys can expect 11 different podcasts from me, Chris, and Matt breaking down each team. Of course, interviews with each head coach from me and Chris, and then the article on our website, Crack Rackets. Com. From Matt Stokowiak, breaking it all down. Of course, there will be some video action on our YouTube channel as well. And if you haven't, go check out our new series, The Deciding Point, where Jamie McDonald and I break down the five biggest stories each and every week in tennis. We have some fun along the way as well. I would equate it to you know, the PTI. Uh, if you watch PTI on ESPN, it's that sort of style of show. Very quick hitting, very, very fun. Super producer Daniel Westoff doing an unbelievable job in the production stages. It, it's really one of our finest, not the finest video, in my opinion, we've done thus far. So be sure to go check that out. And of course, again, you can find all of that content on our website, crackedrackets.com. Of course, the reason we are able to do this podcast day in, day out, because of the support we get not only from you fantastic listeners, not only from our amazing Patreon family, but of course, from our friends over at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. It's a simple lifestyle, folks. We want to look good. We want to feel good so that when we get on court, what are we going to do? We're going to play bad? No, that's not what 
what we want. We are going to play well, and that's where our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar come in. Again, you want to look swagged out on the court, but of course you also want your racket to be right, your strings to be the correct tension. Are you using the right strings to bring out the best in your game? You can have all of those questions answered by our friends at Midwest Sports. You go to MidwestSports.com, use the promo code CR15. You will get 15% off your order, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, that free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Go to MidwestSports.com, use the promo code CR15. Of course, for a look at the only tennis-specific energy bar in the business, go to our friends over at Aerobar. And look, I'm not saying that they've done this, but I would say they're coming pretty close to being the scientists that are able to isolate and harness the power of the tennis gene through nougat it's that simple folks get your best performance on the court by turning to our friends at aerobar uh you go to their website aerobar.com order yourself up either some delicious cinnamon honey oat or chocolate chip flavored aerobars and use our promo code crack 15 you'll get 15 percent off your order let them know that we sent you there of course shout out to my former doubles partner patrick adams for that isolation and harnessing of the power of his gene line it's brilliant and that really is what our friends at aerobar are doing he put it best in Hey, when you can steal someone else's line and give them credit, you do it. And Pat nailed it. Harness the power of the tennis gene through nougat. Turn to our friends at aerobar.com. Use the promo code CRACKED15. All right, with that in mind, let's talk about the tennis we are seeing this week. And let's start with the action in Linz. And I want to start there, of course, because I was raised with good manners. Ladies first always. That's just chivalry. And chivalry is not dead, even in 21st century America. But also because we have the opportunity to be on press row this week here. Our Crack Rackets team credentialed to this event. That means I've had the opportunity to speak with some of our winners so far. I want to mix those comments in uh, with my commentary on the match performances. Let's start with Monday's main draw results and the biggest upset of the day. Grace uh, Hinnon uh, knocks off Diana Yastremska 6-4-6-3 and I know the pronunciation, you know, it's it's spelled M-I-N-N-E-N. Go listen to the WTA website. It's more of an H than an M. So it's Grace Hminen. Uh, it's, it's again. I will do my best here, but she took it to Diana Yastremska in this match. It was a four and three victory, and simply put, Yastremska, who's coachless right now, who's aimless a little bit right now, it feels like on court as well. Uh, she just got it taken to her by Minnen on this day. Uh, you look at the, the stats in this match. It wasn't even an either-or, right? I mean, from top to bottom, Minnen in this match, 56% of her first serves go in, but she wins 61% of those points, 58% of her second serve points. Most importantly, Diana Yastremska only makes 56% of her first serves, but 8 of 31 on the second serve points. That's a 26% conversion rate just not going to get the job done. And when she was able to play plus one tennis, which she was always able to do when she made the first serve, and of course, I don't need to tell all of you listeners at this point, Diana Yastremska hits the ball as hard as any player in the women's game. When it's landing in, she can beat anyone, but she also has those days when she can't find the court and she can lose to anyone. And that's not to discredit Minnan, who in this match, I thought played a really, really just a a solid match, adjusted well to the indoor conditions, kept tracking down that extra ball, kept just putting pressure on Yastremska, whether it's working her to the outer thirds, playing with slice or angle, just keeping the ball out of Yastremska's strike zone, not going to the same direction more than, you know, three times in a row. It was a good match from her, and most importantly, she yet she let Yastremska beat herself. Now, for Diana Yastremska, look, for the 20-year-old, are you still 
are you going to be thinking less of her after this result? No, because these are unfortunately the sorts of results we have seen from Yastremska pretty frequently since play restarted in August. But if you're a Diana Yastremska fan, the fact that the 20-year-old is at number 29 in the world, she's inside the top 30. She is still con- she still continues to show those flashes of brilliance. She's got plenty of time to harness that to rein it in. Unfortunately, obviously, again, her coach pairing with Sasha Bajin. Who knows if it would have worked had the two or not paused for six months? Had they been able to be in the same location and work together. But, you know, Diana Yastrzemska is one of those players who you have to circle as someone to watch because she's someone who could absolutely, if she finds her form, if she's able to be more consistent week in, week out, match in, match out, she's got top 10 sort of talent. The question is, is she going to be able to harness that performance? And it's an unknown right now. Uh, In this match, she was not, and again, not the ending you're looking forward to this season for Diana Yastrzemska. You look down the home stretch here of the year. This match in Ostrovich, she lost for Jen Brady in three sets, which was not a bad loss by any stretch of the imagination. But the Gavrilova loss, first round of the French Open in Rome. Round of 16, she beat Georgiana Nisimova in two three-set matches that she could have lost both. Um, it was just one of the, you know, she never really found her rhythm, I should say, as soon as uh, the tour resumed. And hopefully she will be able to find her rhythm in 2021 because, again, she's one of those really exciting young players. But to Hrit Minin, uh, again, that's what it is. It's Hrit Minin. Uh, just that's the pronunciation. I checked it in my head. That is correct. Um, she uh, now hovers right around the top 100. And for Hrit, that's that's really, really impressive place to be. She's currently at number 10, I want to say 9 in the world six off her career high of 103 only 23 years old and so again plenty of time for her to continue her ascension a good win for her to gain some momentum heading into the offseason that was your biggest upset on the day though it wasn't the only seed to lose we had a win from Sasnovich 6-3-6-1 over number eight seeded para for uh, Sasnovich in this match Alexandra just I mean too good from start to finish. She, again, similarly was able to attack Bernardo Pera's second serve in a way Pera was unable to do on Sasnovich's serve. She was just able to get the point to neutral at a minimum with that serve. And for Bernardo Pera, the second serve sat up. Sasnovich was able to play big first strike tennis. And I mean, look, for Alexandra Sasnovich, again, you just circle her as a player heading into 2021. Why can't she make a num- another jump? The 26-year-old was at number 30 in the world, currently at number 92 but does seem to be finding her rhythm here towards the back half. You look at the results she has had uh, since the tour resumed now. Uh, you know, she hasn't played since the French Open, but there she made the quarterfinals in doubles, second round in singles, which is just, again, winning rounds at the majors. Not only does that pay the bills, that gives you some serious rankings points. She was also quarterfinalist in Istanbul, uh, third round of the U.S. Open, and then, of course, in pra- uh, excuse me, and then, of course, in Palermo, she made the quarterfinals up. Uh, before losing 6-6 six and six to Sasnovich. That's a player who's regaining her stride, who's finding her form, who certainly has the sort of game to get back in the top 50. And as we talk about all the time, once you're in the top 50 of the WTA, it's anyone's ball game. A lot of the times, you know, there are four, five, six women who, if they're playing even close to their best, they're probably going to win any given match. Um, but then the rest are just all in the mix. It's really in any given day who's playing their best, and it's matchup dependent. And Sasnovich matches up well with a lot of different players players because she's a really solid athlete. The ball explodes off of her rack, and she can do, you know, different things on the court as well, change up pace. And so uh, this was a good victory for her over Bernardo Pera. I think Bernardo Pera is playing very, very well. She lost a ton 
of close three-set matches here in August, but look for Pera to stick around the top 50 as well, assuming we get some 2021 um uh, we get a full 2021 schedule, excuse me. Uh, but yeah, those were the two seeds who lost on day one. Your other results, you had Garachova, 4-5 and five victory over uh, Zavatska, number four seeded Ale- Ekaterina Alexandrova, very good 3-4 and four win over Sinyakova to advance to the round of 16 here today. Uh, oh, by the way, should have thrown this in earlier, but had the chance to speak with Hreetman in uh, following her victory over Diana Yastremska. Let's hear from her now. Westoff? Roll the clips. Congratulations on the victory. Uh, As Michael mentioned, you've done a lot of traveling over these past three months, and some of that is just a necessity to play tournaments. But how difficult is it for you to have to go country to country, protocol to protocol to play these events? Is it, you know, do you think that's a big reason your rhythm's been disrupted? Uh, well, I think it's definitely adapting. Um, it's it's also different in each tournament. Sometimes we can go out of the hotel and still go for a walk or something, and sometimes we can't. Um, so yeah, for sure, the testing isn't really nice to do every time. Um, but you know, we're just happy that we can play, that we have the opportunity to play. Um, and yeah, it's it's tough for everyone in the world right now. So. We'll just have to adapt and, and keep going. Mm-hmm. You talk about that opportunity to play. Just curious to follow up. Uh, again, you've played so many different uh, tournaments throughout the course. I'm curious, why play so many events? We've seen other players pl- take different approaches. Why for you is this the approach you've decided to take? Uh, because I felt like I wasn't really playing a good level. Uh, I felt like I needed a lot of matches. That's why I played those IDFs in the U.S. Um, and it helped me to get the rhythm back. And um, yeah, f- there aren't a lot of tournaments actually to be played. And I just like to play the most of them while, while it's still possible now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Quickly, just want to say for some of you wondering why Dan and I ask her more directly about the match, some of those questions already asked by other journalists, and unfortunately, I did, it's just hard to reach out to them, get their permission to use their voice, their questions, in, uh, and use the answers they received in our podcast. But uh, nevertheless, it's always great to hear from our winner, and it's great to hear Hreet's mindset heading into the rest of this tournament and, of course, her offseason. Uh, let's move now to Tuesday's results because, again, we uh, had the opportunity to see Tuesday's matches now that we are recording this 3.40 p.m. here on the East Coast. I believe that's 9.40 over in Austria. Uh, We had a bunch of fun matches here on our round of 32 day. In terms of the matches that went the distance, uh, you had Kamla Georgie, 6.35764 over Sarab Soribas Tormo. The match was exactly what you'd think it would be. Georgie had the distinct firepower advantage. The question was, was she going to be able enough to make enough balls to hit Soribas Tormo off the court? Because as we saw, 
draw in Ostrava against Arena Sabalenka. Saribas Torma, what was it, 6040, 6030, whatever it may be. And then, you know, Sabalenka found her form and just Saribas Torma didn't really have a weapon to hurt Sabalenka with. You know, Georgie was just so explosive off of both wings. And, you know, in typical Kemali Georgie fashion, I believe she blew a 4 1 lead in one set. And, you know, she hits nine double faults, of course, uh, in this match, only makes 55% of her first serves. But if she gets a clean look at a second serve, if she makes that first serve and can play plus one tennis, it's still awfully explosive. And so that's a great victory for her three uh, in three sets over Cerebus Tormo, who is really good, by the way, down the home stretch of this year. You look for Sarah Cerebus Tormo, the momentum she has heading into this next year, up to number 65 in the world. That's one in the live rankings. That's one off her career high of number 64 for the 24-year-old. Again, not everyone can be top 20 in the world by the time you're 24. If you can be top 75, you're putting yourself in pension range. You are putting yourself in a position to make a nice uh, sum of money to have a nice long career, or at least put yourself in a position to continue to ascend the rankings, right? 65, you're getting in at a minimum. Two qualifiers of the premier mandatories, you're playing pretty much any event you want to play. So for Sarah Cerebus Torma, I think you have to look at this vic- uh, year as a definite victory. The other winners on the day, Krechikova, three-set victory over Tan. Uh, and then in terms of your straight set matches, we had wins uh, from Rus 4-4 four four over Zidanzik Fett, 6-2-3-1 over Martin Sova, Kirstea, 2-3 on serve, got a withdrawal from grab her after she suffered an injury. You had Stephanie Vogel, 7-6-6-3 over Kuzmovsva. And then you had two uh, really fun matches uh, to end the day. You had Vera Zivanareva, 4-2 over young Marta Kostyuk. And Zivanareva has been really, really good uh, down the home stretch. And of course, Zivanareva, I believe former world number 2, 36 years old now. Uh, she continues to just, you know, whether it was Indian Wells this year, she made the semifinals of the 125K event there, really had momentum on her side, round of 16 in Cincinnati, and you know, now here again, a good win over Kostjuk, she continues to work her way back up the rankings, and we had the chance to speak with her, ask about her level of play right now, ask why she has chosen to play so many events, you know, last week she was in Turkey, and she made the finals, I think of an 80k event there, Uh, let's hear her answers to those questions, Westoff, roll the clips. Congratulations on the win, Vera. Um, I noticed this is your eighth event I think you've played since the tour restarted in August. And I'm curious for you, why have you made the decision to play so many different events? Obviously, last week you were at an ITF in Turkey. Now you're back here in Linz. What led to that decision? Well, I think the, it was easy to make the decision. First of all, I was looking to play on the hard courts more because um, clay is unlucky surface for me. Um, I got uh, many, many injuries on it, and um, I think at this stage of my career, it's a little bit too dangerous for me to play many clay court season, uh, clay court, uh, clay court uh, tournaments. But um, I think when I was looking at the calendar, I felt like I needed to play, because like I said, I missed most of the 2019. I just started playing again in the beginning of the year and the tour got suspended. So a year and a half, I had no match play. And I knew that if I wanted to get back uh, to the level I believe I can play, um, I need to get a lot of matches under my belt, maybe 30 to 40 matches before I can get to that level. No matter how hard you train, you never experience uh, what you can experience on the court during the match, just uh, how hard you have to focus, how 
uh, much you can, uh, how much effort you can put out there. You're always, I think, I felt, I feel like in the trainings, you're always holding your back a little bit, holding yourself back, and out there you have to give it, you know, hundred percent. So I felt like, okay, I'm going to play, and then uh, because I did well in uh, Cincinnati, my ranking went up, and I made it to the qualis of Roland Garros. But it was actually not a plan for me to play a clay court season. So then I made it to the qualis, and then I thought, okay, maybe then I can play an event before that, traveling back to Russia and then going again uh, for Rome or Paris was very difficult with the restrictions. So I felt like if I travel from the US to Europe, I can access uh, the tournaments in Europe. Otherwise, um, at that moment, it was very difficult between Russia and EU to travel. So here I am. <laughs> No, I mean, I appreciate the candidness with your answer. I'm going to sneak in a quick double question on that because I've never heard, you think at this point clay is more difficult on your body than the hard courts. And then, you know, B, you talk about finding that level in Cincinnati. You found it in Indian Wells as well. How are you feeling about your level of clay coming out of 2020? Well, I, I feel like I'm getting it back. You know, I, I think I felt like I was playing at a pretty high level at the end, I believe was... 2018 when I made the quarterfinals in Moscow beating some great players and um, I felt like you know after I gave birth and then it took me a while to get back to that level and then finally I was there but I was getting a lot of uh, small injuries that were preventing me to train properly and then again 2019 so yeah, um, I feel like now, you know, clay court for me is just, I need a lot of time to get used to it uh, with different sliding and um, my hips are not dealing with that really well at the moment. Uh, so I feel like uh, maybe it's not, yeah, the best surface for me. I mean, hard court is not that it's not easy on your body either, but it's just something that I'm used to with my, with my body and my footwork, and it's just easier for me to adapt to it. Really interesting to hear Zivana Reva say she feels more comfortable playing on hard courts at this point of her career than clay, and that you physically just her footwork, she feels more comfortable on the surface as someone who is not comfortable on clay. Totally feel that. I don't care that the scientists say it's easier on your knees. It's not. It's Well, it actually might be, but it's much more difficult to play. So anyways, for Zivana Reva, really good win over young Kostyuk, and of course, indoor hard courts with her firepower. She can absolutely make some noise here this week in Linz. And then our final winner, number one seeded Arena Sabalenka, who I believe if she wins her next match will now end the year inside the WTA top 10. She goes down an early break, but finds her form, finds her rhythm, ends up winning 6-4, 6-4 over Paulini. Now, after the match, Sabalenka stayed on the practice court with her coach, wanted to work on a couple of things. I asked her about that, as well as if she is thinking about finishing the year in the top 10. Westoff, roll the clips. Um, you know, we heard after the match that you were working on your serve, that you stayed on court to hit for 15 minutes extra. What led you to make that decision? Because uh, I think I missed a lot of my forehands today, like, and I didn't really feel well my forehand, and we just wanted to fill the shot, like, make some, um, uh, some put some work on it, like, uh, hit from the different positions, make sure I, I feel it better. So, yeah, it was just, like, uh, work on my mistakes, so, yeah. 
Mm -hmm. And for you, uh, someone mentioned this earlier, but in terms of why you're playing this weekend, if you make, I think, the quarterfinals, you end the year in the top 10. And I know that's a little thing, but with it so close in sight, is that something that's on your mind this week? Not really. I mean, of course, I want to finish the year in the top 10, but uh, I'm not focusing on the ranking. Like I, I'm, I'm saying it all the time. I'm focusing more on my game and uh, uh, to improve uh, something in my uh, game. That's it. But I will be really, really happy to finish year in the top 10. Always so cool to get the chance to speak with these players after a victory. So, of course, a huge shout-out to the press room in Linz, the team with the WTA media team, all they do to help facilitate this access in the midst of a global pandemic. You can do it all on Zoom, and that's really, really cool. But it's been a really fun first two days in Linz. You start to look at the action, what we've got in store for us tomorrow. Again, it should be another fun day of play. You've got Dodan taking a number seven seed, Jill Teichman, uh, Podoroska versus Begu, Kudermatova versus Haas, number two seed, Elisa Murray. Burtons gets her action in play against Annalena Kalnina, who, of course, started off the year really well with, I believe, a finals uh, in Midland, if memory serves me correctly. So indoor hard courts, you know she's got the firepower to make that match really fun. Grachova versus Alexandrova also tomorrow. And then you've got Hrit Minin versus Krejcikova. Sasanovic versus Fett. Some doubles action as well. Should be a really fun week as we wrap up the WTA season in Linz. Of course, that's the action going on there. Let's quickly move on now to the action in Sofia, the ATP 250, final 250 level event of the year, final ATP non-challenger or ITF event of the year uh, as well before the year-end final starts next week. And look, we've had some early upsets thus far. Two of our top four seeds and four of our top eight seeds already eliminated from this event. Let's start with the one that's the most enjoyable, Jonas Fortek. And I apologize if I butchered that pronunciation. I'll get better at it because certainly he is a name I think we are going to have to learn a little bit about the 19-year-old, I want to say, Czech, uh, man from the Czech, knocks off from the Czech Republic. Hey, great chat to me. Uh, knocks off number eight seeded Marin Cilic, 6-3-6-2. For those who don't know about Forchtek, I believe he was the 2019 junior uh, U.S. Open boys champion. And of course, when you're able to win a junior slam, that's not indicative of everything, right? That doesn't mean you're going to be the next great thing. And for the 19-year-old, you look at what he's done thus far in his career. He's been inside the top 400 and with this result uh, in the live rankings right now you look for young Jonas Forcheck and where he is currently at the win gets him up to a new career high of number 355 in the live rankings. That's where you want to be when you're a 19-year-old. And uh, look, in terms of what he's done thus far in his career, he's only made one Futures final. Uh, you know, it was back in November of 2018. But he's slowly but surely begun to ascend his way uh, up the rankings again, do better and better in these higher-level events. You look at, you know, sort of what he has done here this season, certainly. And he's a guy who really hasn't played that many professional matches thus far. But, you know, a couple of first-round losses at a couple of 25Ks made the semifinals in Prague midway through September. Is starting to, you know, ink his way into challengers. Played the Prague challenger, got a win over Vetutin before losing a tight three-set match to Sebastian Ofner, who we've talked about quite a bit of late on this podcast. But, again... 
I, I I like his game. I like the things he can do on the court. He's got really good length. You know, he's about it seems I would say what probably six three, six two, six three, maybe a little bit taller than that. And you know, it, it's a little bit of a loopy forehand. Oh, he's five eleven. He didn't look five eleven when he was on court. I don't know if that's true. If he is five eleven, he's a long five eleven. And again, it's a loopy forehand, but. I, just, I like the, the depth. I like the pace. I like the action on the ball. I think he is a guy we're going to be watching closely over these next couple of years as he works his way up the challengers. I'm not saying he's got top 10 upside. I'm saying I'm very, very intrigued. I need to watch a little bit more. Certainly, he looked the part against Marin Cilic, although not the best day for Cilic, who just kind of looked a step slow and just couldn't really find his rhythm in this match. Only made 55% of his first serves with 7 of 21 on second serve points. Now, he held Fortec to 8 of of 21 on second serve points himself, but Jonas Fjortek made 63% of his first serves, six, uh, 29 of 35 on those first serve points. That was good enough for the 3-2 and two victory. He gets four breaks along the way as well. So he advances to, I believe, and I believe, by the way, that's his first ATP 250 level or higher victory. He advances now to the round of 16. The other upsets, I don't know if this is even an upset at this point. Mark andre Husler, who's been playing so well, the big lefty, serving Val on the challenger circuit. He gets a 7-6 in the third victory over number seven seed Basilashvili, who I feel like hasn't won a match in forever. Uh, the other upsets we had on the day today, Radu Elbot, 2-4 and four over Denis Shapovalov. And I know he's a little bit injured. I believe it's the shoulder, but not the ending to the season Shapovalov would have wanted, especially after that quarterfinal run to the U.S. Open. Seems Things seem so promising. He looked good in Rome as well. Then, you know, he loses to Carbeas Benia at the French Open and just hasn't really found his rhythm here down the home stretch. Now, overall, 2020, a, a step forward for Denis Shapovalov to make a quarterfinal at the major, the first of his career to have it be a five-set match as well. He was right there, uh, and that's certainly a big development in his career, playing a match like that, having that experience, but would have liked to see him end the year a little bit better, particularly against a guy in Elbot, who Shapovalov's just got the biggest weapons on the court in every, you know, a bigger weapon in every sort of shot he wants to hit. Surprised he didn't win the match, but ultimately Shapovalov, or ultimately Elbot, just too solid, two and four over Shapovalov. And then the joke's on me. I picked Struff today in the ace of the day. I did it apprehensively. I thought in the battle of power indoor tennis, I should have taken Struff. The answer is wrong. I should have taken Vashik Pospisil, who knocks off the number four seed, three and four. I mean, it was a display of power tennis. It's exactly what you would have expected to see. Hey, great shot by me. That was a dumb one. But anyways, Pospisil, 3-4. and four. He's playing really well. He is back to certainly what we saw pre-injury, pre-2019 Vashik Pospisil. A guy who belongs in the conversation, ATP top 50 in singles. You know, one of the top doubles players as well. So, great result for Vashik Pospisil to advance to the quarterfinals. Your other winners so far in Sofia, we had a victory from Manorino, Milman, uh, Caruso, uh, Gasquet, Jerosimov, Karatsev. Uh, Jill Simone and Yannick Sinner, 2-4 over Fucevic. Should be a really fun day of round of 16 matches on Wednesday as we've got Milman versus Simone. That's a grind. Demonauer, Karatsev, Sinner versus Husler. That'll be a parlay, Demonauer, Sinner, I promise you. FAA, Caruso, Gasquet versus Fiortek, Gerasimo versus Manorino. Oop, man, I'm telling you right now, Manorino, Sinner, Demonauer. That is going to be an ace of the day. 
Monday. You heard it here first, uh, but that should be a really fun day of play uh, in Sofia. Quickly want to talk about the challengers going on as well because we've got some cool action on that level. A, let's just quickly, I want to talk about the action going on in Bratislava uh, because, no, it's, you know, again, it's it's uh, it's a really high level of action. Your winners thus far on the week, uh, top I believe three of your top eight seeds have fallen. Blas Rola, the former Ohio State standout, six and four over Uchiyama. Vandesan Schulp, who's been so good on the Challenger Tour of late, six three three six six three over Laxanen. And Roman Sefilian, again, another guy who's been balling out, three and four win over Gao. Can't say I consider any of those upsets. Now, your seeds who have won thus far Antoine Huang, straights over Halise. Rusevori, straights over Diaz. Matrizak, straights over Mokan. Uh, Nikola Miljovic, a close match, but a 5-6 and six victory over Arnabaldi. Giustino over Yannick Maiden. That's another three-set battle. Your other winners, uh, Borg, Klein, Mahak, Markora, Martyrer. Oh, Markora, 7-6 in the third over Max Cressy. Martyrer, Stakowski, and Viola. So that should be a really fun round of 16. And then, of course, we have the return of Mike Cation and the USTA Pro Circuit, something all of us can celebrate. I promise if you listen to this podcast, you watch yourself some live stream dot com slash ATP uh, and you enjoy the challenger ranks and certainly to have Mac Mike back in our ears uh, means the world to all of us it's a sense of normalcy right it's just that how many of us have spent hours just w- doing something else on our laptop whether it's work whether it's you know, school and you see or he- have him on in your headphones in the background you're watching some sort of match it's great to have that to have of course all the American challengers all the American uh, players back in action at this challenger as well, too. You know, you get your Mitch Krugers of the world. You get your Ty Kwiatkowski's, Brandon Nakashima's, Mackie McDonald's, Alexis Galarno's, Jack Sock, Bjorn Fertangelo, you know, uh, Bellucci, Safawat, Montiero, Gunaswaran, Will Blumberg, Torpegard. I mean, yesterday's matches, your winners were Mo, Eubanks, Popko, Kudla. Oh, I should mention Garrett Johns, the current Duke player, 7-5 victory in the third over Noah Rubin. Rubin served for the match, I believe, at 5-4. In that third set, Daniel Galan knocks off Roberto Sid Wu over Moria. Oh, it's just great to have all of those names back in action. Michael Mo, the four—I'll I'll do this quickly. Michael Mo, the forehand looked different. Uh, good, different, good, isn't it? Looked a little bit more compact, a little bit simpler. I mean, he played well over Nidovyesov and just kind of ran away with that second set. Eubanks, big serve, big forehand, big victory over Christian Harrison. Dennis Kudla, most impressive performer of Monday, just worked Kevin King. Of course, a lefty, always a good matchup for Kudla with his backhand, but he was hitting serves and volleys as well. I believe he's working now with former double standout Rob. Lindstead, so that makes sense. Really good result for Kudka, uh, Kudka, Kudla, hey, great shot. For Dimitri Popko, he just ground down Ulysses Blanche, three and two. Um, yeah, that would be my rapid fire of the American performances. And then thus far today, Sock for Tangelo, if you haven't watched it, go watch the replay. That first set tiebreaker alone was spectacular. T- Torpegard, three sets over Blumberg. It was an it was a Will Blumberg match through and through. Big serves, big forehands. Ultimately, Torpegard just a little bit too physical for Will. 6-4 in the third. Alexis Galarno follows up a title last week with a really good three-set win over Mackie McDonald. Ty Kwiatkowski, who was a huge underdog. Up an early break on Nakashima. Uh, it, again, really fun action in carry. I promise we will be talking about that more here on the Mini Break Podcast throughout the week. Maybe we can even cajole Mike C. Tennis, Mike Cation, into coming onto the podcast. I know he is going to be swamped. 
uh, but we'll see if he has any free time later in the week. But of course, again, there's a lot of things going on right now in the tennis world. If you have missed any of our content, just be sure to go hop over to our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, there you're going to find our articles with our brand new writers, Judson, David, Stokowiak back in action, myself and Chris and Jamie McDonald, all of us trying to enjoy the home stretch of this 2020 season, get all of us ready for the off season, and then already looking ahead to the 2021 year as well. Uh, again, we've got college content, as uh, which you can find on this podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast. If you haven't already, go listen to Inside Out Season 1, the story of the best American male player at any point given the... in. Well, at any given point within the open era, hey, great shot to me. And again, all of that content can be found on our website, CrackRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates, though. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at CrackRackets. You want to message me directly, I am at GreatShotPod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Linger and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in day out shout out of course again as well to our friends at midwest sports and aerobar go to midwestsports.com use the promo code cr15 go to aerobar.com use the promo code cracked 15 but with that in mind for our wonderful super producers sligner and westoff our friends at midwest sports and aerobar and all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex dreskin you know what we say that's the break and we will talk to you all tomorrow thanks everyone